Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by the 24-Hour Musical Project. By the what? The 24-Hour Musical Project. It's a community fundraising project that brings together local artists to produce a full-scale musical in just 24 hours of rehearsal. thank God. I thought it was a 24-hour-long musical. I mean, I like musicals, but... No, no, no. It's just a regular length Broadway musical, but no one knows the show until 24 hours before the curtain. So why not figure out how to join them? We need cast, we need musicians, we need crews, support volunteers, or you can just come and see the show. So check us out on www.24hmp.com and book tickets now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Musicals Talk Me Everything I Know. I am Zane C. Weber here with my esteemed co-hosts... Miranda Solid And... Julie Eisentrager. And our super special guest... Uh, Malcolm Hume. Malcolm Hume. Noted musician, walker of sidewalks. <laughs> I don't know if he drives cars, but I assume that he... Regrettably. He, you do? Yeah, if forced. If forced, okay. Under duress, he will drive your car. <laughs> mm-hmm. How are you, Malcolm? I'm quite well, thank you. Wonderful. Are we normally now- that polite? <laughs> no, no, that'll wear off. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so you have come here today yes. to uh, justify your use of the internet. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, for musical purposes. Oh. And talk about the show Oh, I see. This isn't the part where we're prosecuting the things on my iPad in front of me right now? No, no, no. Oh, that's coming no. Okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> Into the woods. Yes. Because we've all done a lot of research. We've all done our homework. Mm. And some of that is watching YouTube. Hang on, hang on. Julie? Yeah? W- what's that face? Just the listeners can't see that face when Zane <laughs> mentioned the homework just I, now. It's been done now. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's what that half an hour before we start recording is for. But let's spend a little time getting to know Malcolm, oh, shall we? I'm ready. Okay, good. Brace yourself. And, uh, I'm braced. Tell us which musical character would other people compare you to? So, like, I thought about this question a lot um, and I was a bit thrown by the fact that that's, like, a very intense and revealing thing to ask somebody, like... What That's why think, we asked What do you it. think other people think of you? Yeah, well, we need to get to know you, like, very efficiently. <laughs> like, and intimately. My concern yeah. is that, like, you're either going to come off looking, like, really sort of self-important or really self-loathing. And so I tried to get both of those. Okay. Ooh. I thought right. maybe, maybe like, um, the way the other people view Hamilton in Hamilton, he's very, like, 
confident and sort of forthright, but he's kind of a dick as well. And, you know, he's very um, arrogant. And, like, I I don't think that that is me. I just wouldn't be surprised if that's how people see me. And, well done, it's a little Mm -hmm. bit of a humble brag. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, that's that's over, like, a a chasm of (laughs) of self-doubt and insecure. (laughs) Such a Hamilton thing to do. See? Perfect. All right, well, maybe an easier question would, uh, what musical character would you like other people to compare you to? Heather Chandler. I was very ready. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Stomps into the room, owns every room she's in, fantastic fashion sense. Dies middle of the first act. Of a hangover. (laughs) Just a a baller all through that show. Fair enough. That's the dream. Uh, Well, I look forward to seeing you in that role at some point in the future. Oh, we practically nailed the next one as well. (laughs) Well, what what is your dream role, if it isn't Heather Chandler? (laughs) Tempting. Um, For a while I thought that I I didn't have a dream role, like, while I was thinking about this, and and then that was dark. I was like, I don't have any dreams. Um, (laughs) Wow. But then I thought um, I would quite like to play the MC in Cabaret. I thought that if I I could pick that, you know, uh, he gets to be, like, funny through most of the show, but then just, like, Gut punch emotionally yeah. at the end of the show. Mild to extreme cross-dressing. Like, these are all just boxes to tick all the way through. It really this. depends on whether you go uh, the Joel Grey end of the spectrum or, or you go full-on Is there another Scottish. end? The- yeah. Uh, what is his name? Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming. Yeah. The spectrum. Like That's that, what I'm mentioning. <laughs> the two ends. Just a bow tie, suspenders. I feel like they're pretty it. close to the same side of... Any spectrum. I I think that Joel Grey has a lot less pelvic thrusts in Mm -hmm. his performance. Don't make me think about Joel Grey pelvic (laughs) thrusts. Because I see him as he is now. So, so Malcolm, Mm -hmm. in your production of Cabaret where you star as the MC, how many pelvic thrusts do you imagine? I think that it would be quicker to count the times when I wasn't pelvic thrusting. All right. Okay, good. So (laughs) we're leaning towards Alan Cumming. (laughs) Like all through I don't care much especially. Just this slow grinding all the way through I don't care Let's move on to the next question, Zane. I don't think I can take much more of it. It's really distracts from the Sally Bowles choreography. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. There's so many layers. Well, the uh, the title of this episode might give away the answer to this next question, but what is your favourite Sondheim show? Um, well, mine was actually not allowed because you guys have already done it. Uh, I felt like I should establish my Sondheim cred and say like some deep cut evening primrose or something like <laughs> really obscure. It's, it's probably actually uh, just Sweeney, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah. I've been in Sweeney. Uh, I think it's really cool that there's like a horror musical that's actually like genuinely creepy and unsettling because that's a pretty hard thing to do because musicals are inherently quite silly. So like, we do get touches of that in this one. Yeah, this one, uh, yeah. but this one's kind of a farce for most of it. Yeah. So whereas Sweeney Todd is like dark, dark. Oh, we <laughs> haven't done Sweeney cool. Todd. So nice I it curveball was booked. there. I thought it was. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's it booked. is booked. Yeah, it's we have. Booked. We've got it yeah. coming up. So. It wasn't allowed. Hang out for that audience. <laughs> so bitter about that. Oh, yeah. Wasn't allowed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what is your go-to shower song? Um, I yeah, I was driving and realised like I don't sing songs while I'm walking around the house. I just sing like weird little like 
jazz riffs and scat you and like do you do, narrate like what you're doing oh yeah but like in voices as well like different accents all and malcolm through. is walking down the hall yeah but like <laughs> i am malcolm and i am walking down the hall catch myself I don't know why like no i do these are all voices i would try to put on like i'm very lucky that i live by myself because there's a lot of weird stuff I'm talking about. it's just like me and my cat talking about this stuff it's weird i'm practicing pelvic thrusts <laughs> yeah. oh your cat does Perfecting. not like that <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, this is the last question. Mm-hmm. It's controversial. Oh, I'm so ready. Now. <laughs> He's just got a bazooka out, so. Yeah, so someone someone has a gun to your head and they are ordering you <laughs> to delete one musical from existence. Now, please note that Cat's nine lives are gone. <laughs> They're out. Cats is dead. It's, it's interesting you should mention Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm so glad because I'm going to spend most of the rest of this just gushing over how much I love Into the Woods. I'm so glad to get to just let out my negativity in this. Uh, I was just in London and I saw School of Rock, the musical. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I would delete from the earth the School of Rock musical. Right, okay. Most recent show. Uh, if I could just do like two minutes of riff on why I hate School of Rock and why By it was terrible. By all means, let us um, give you a soapbox. You stand <laughs> on it and shout to the world. So so first thing, the best song in the entire show is the one that was written for the movie that they just copy-pasted. The second best song in the entire show is when... Um, Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks plays on a jukebox. Yeah. And I was like, Stevie. Right, yeah. And then they cut that and they bring out this insipid, terrible Andrew Lloyd Webber song. I was like, bring back Stevie. Um, I think, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber really, really Sucks. tried to... Oh. <laughs> it has been said before. <laughs> he just wanted to um, make Matilda again, only these are very different vibes. And so it's, like, really just over the top and cheesy and schmaltzy. Uh, I think you realise when you watch the show that uh, Jack Black does an awful lot of heavy lifting on making the character of School of Rock not the most unpleasant person you've ever seen. So, like, in the hands of any other actor, you're just like, God, he is an awful person. And so because of that, uh, my favourite moment in the whole show, I saw it with my sister, and... um, like three quarters of the way through the show, the girlfriend of uh, Patty, the uh, the girlfriend of his housemate, is like she you know she's this brow beating kind of shrew of a woman all through the thing. But because he's so annoying, my sister and I were like fully on board with her because she has some very valid points. Like pay your rent. Oh yeah, absolutely. Turd. Like she is Julie talking <laughs> yeah. to the cast of Rent. Yeah, it's like come oh, on guys. Oh, don't don't get me started. I thought about saying Rent as well. I could have done that. Yeah, no, like, you know, pay your rent, like, clean up the house, what is wrong with you? And so at the end of it, like, um, her, her boyfriend yells in her face, like, shut up, and then pauses because the whole audience cheers because she's ostensibly the villain of this show. And my sister booed in the theatre. She was like, <laughs> what is happening? Boo, Team Patty. And I, I was, like, recoiling away trying to pretend that I wasn't with a person heckling live theatre. Classic brother move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I was fully on board, though, like, 100%. So yeah, no, hated hated it All right. a lot. School of Bad. Rock. Well, no one's no one's answered that yet, though. But that might be because it hasn't been to Australia, so but, I haven't got a lot of going exposure over here. It is selling boy, a lot. Boy, and, it will be and here. Andy's not got like a lot left. He's got a lot left, but he's not got like a lot left. Well, no one's deleted Sunset Boulevard or Starlight <laughs> Express. I, I think Sunset Ooh. will stand up. I think I think he'll keep it. What is that ridiculous one he wrote about the? Um, it's like second most recent one that's about like an accountant or something like that. 
Obscure, closed in like six weeks. If you Google Andrew the Webber's most recent shows, there's one that he wrote that's like too weird to delete. Well, I want to keep you it. You know, <laughs> we, 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 uh, we hit him pretty hard on this <laughs> podcast, but uh, well done on, on just keeping as, working. As yeah. I say every time, Andrew Lloyd Webber has his place. It's just in musical theatre and for musical theatre in service of. Musical theatre everywhere. Yeah, cheers, babe. (laughs) Okay, well, let's take a break. We'll come back, we'll talk some Broadway news and then we'll dive headlong into Sondheim again. Recently on Broadway, some things happened. Stop it. (laughs) What what happened? Well... Once upon a time, there was a queen of Broadway and her name was the Divine Miss Anne. <laughs> Beth Midler. <laughs> and she was in a small production you've probably never heard of, Hello Dolly. Um, and she had a birthday and they sang they her cake. happy birthday and they had cake and she was wearing a fabulous hat. And then she, she was, was like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> and Bernadette Peters started doing it instead. Is Bernadette Peters significantly younger than Bert Midler? No. No. No, they're about Bette, the same age. Bert Midler's 71. I would be interested be in about seeing the same age. both Bernadette shows. Bernadette Peters is 71 years old. No, Bert Midler is 71 years old. Oh, Bernadette Peters won't Hang be on. much I'm less I'm finding than out. That. She's getting there. Is there like a <laughs> Dorian Gray portrait of her somewhere in there? <laughs> of Bert Midler or no, Bernadette, oh, Bernadette Peters? Oh, Bernadette Peters is... Like frozen uh, in time. 69 years old. Yeah, so two years difference. <laughs> You're enjoying saying 69 far too much. <laughs> she won't be for long. February 28th is her birthday. Let's so um, be... send us some fan cards. So when she turns okay. 71, they'll just replace her with somebody else? That's, that yeah, so that's and actually how will go on forever. Yeah. <laughs> so but I would be interested so in seeing both of them. Bette Midler finished up in, in Hello, Dolly and it was... Very uh, different Bernadette shows. Bernadette Peters taking it on. I don't think it's like hugely different, is it? Well, Between I tell you, Bet the pictures look Bernard? very similar. Same costume. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's nice. But they're very different performers, very different voices. And very Dolly's different voices. Very different voices. Significant part of the show. It's okay. not just people singing title. to Dolly. <laughs> she is. All right. Is yeah. that all we've got? Yeah, oh, that's we're it. that thrilling. Okay. Bet's back. Oh, no. Bet, Bet's back in Vegas and Bernadette's on Broadway. Amazing. Yeah. The world... Is right again. <laughs> Not necessarily. All right. Well, speaking of Bernadette Peters, let's take a break. Let's do it. A talk into the woods. Sometime, lots of history. Julie, are you ready? No. <laughs> Come on. You got to give us something. What made this show this show? Um, so, <laughs> this show debuted in San Diego at the Old Globe Theatre in 1986 and ran for 30 performances. Now, I believe this was, was this his show straight after Georgie Porgy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, babes. Yeah. Doing my homework on the fly. (laughs) (laughs) So um, during the uh, off-Broadway San Diego performances, um, the show underwent much evolution. 
Um, the most notable changes was the addition of the song No One Is Alone. Um, right, like, but that happened right in the middle of the run. So Sondi just went, you know what, guys? This is lacking a little something, something. That's how he talks. Um, we're best friends, I should know. <laughs> and he goes, I could pop in this little ditty I've written, No One Is Alone. <sighs> best song ever. Well, very similar to what he did with uh, finishing the hat. He does. He does this a lot. Is what we've yeah. worked out. Like, you know what? I've been watching the show for a while now, and I I've think what working... it really needs is just this amazing song that I've pulled yeah, out. Of I've, my... I've just just rustled hat. up this masterpiece. <laughs> I should just pop in. Yeah. yeah, I've just been tinkling, and I'd like to hear this in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a go for me, thanks. Okay, thanks. Um, it then premiered on Broadway on November 5th, 1987 and closed September 3rd, 1989 after 765 performances. That's a fair lot of performances. That's, uh, that's less than I would have expected. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But it's had... Pretty it's selling for a Sundime show, really. Yeah. It's had strong yeah. revivals. Yes, Constantly yeah. and consistently. So during that time, it won mm. some awards... A Tony, 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 including best score, best book, and best actress in a musical, which was uh, Miss Joanna Gleason. Joanna Gleason, correct? Um, in a year that was dominated by. Don't look at me like that. I didn't do I it. I have to say it. There's a lot of stage. <laughs> I can't say it. In a Go year on. that was dominated by the Phantom of the Opera. I knew it. Uh, they, they were, they were contemporaries. Shows? And, and, uh, what, what were the categories? Good and. Bad? Well, it's it's because Sweeney came out a few years before that, so that's um, Angela Weber. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll like, do gothic horror. <laughs> I'll do something a little dark. Where's a book I can steal from? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the musical has since been produced many, 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 so many, many times. times. With an 88 US national tour, a 1990 West End production, which also saw the inclusion of a new song, Our Little World. A little one. That's why that's not on the original cast like, album. Yes, and I was just wondering what that song was until we had a demo. <laughs> I am not the best song. <laughs> um, it's actually, I, I found that song so difficult, the way the two characters interact. That's Rapunzel and the witch. Thanks, babes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so um, did you have to sing it in the version that you did? business about the world and the hair and it's so much hair and hair and hair and our little world and hair and... Oh, oh my. Confusing. Um, the 1997 10th anniversary concert, chucked that in there. 2002 Broadway Revival. Revival. Where Lapine revised the script slightly with a cameo appearance of the Three Little Pigs, which was restored oh, yeah. from the yeah. original San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, other changes apart from numerous small dialogue changes included the addition of the song Our Little World with a duet for The Witch and Rapunzel. Had I read down, I would have understood that before. <laughs> um, which was written for the first London production. The addition of a second woof. Stop it. Is yes. there always a second woof now? And I've never noticed. No. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, uh, addition of a second woof in the song Hello Little Girl Who competes for Little Red's attention with the first woof That would be cool Is it played by the other prince as well? Yes Probs. Parallel. The first portrayal of Jack's cow by a live performer uh, <laughs> a, a live cow performer what? or a live person What a performer? role A live what person a dream role 
I mean, it's left ambiguous. I actually thought it's it was a It's Chad cow. Kimball. Oh, so unless the cow's name was Chad Kimball. I would name my cow that. <laughs> which I actually don't, I do believe you would name a cow Chad Kimball. Yeah, that's great. I will now. Now that I think about it, yeah. <laughs> the first cow I, I get. Yeah, if I get a cow, <laughs> that's... Yeah, my hands on a cow. <laughs> um, which was, oh, wait, there's more. In an intricate costume and new lyrics... <laughs> seen a picture of that. I don't think Hang it's really on, what? New lyrics? No, that was connected I, yeah, to the cow? No, Julie oh. can't read again. Okay. Um, in an intricate <laughs> costume, and new lyrics were written for The Last Midnight, oh now sung by the witch as a menacing lullaby to the baker's baby. Oh. So the emphasis was on the wrong part of the sentence <laughs> there. Now sung by the witch. Yeah. It not, was always sung by the witch. Yes. But it was now sung by the witch to, to the, baby. the baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm. Emphasis <laughs> is not my uh, gracious. Achievement. <laughs> oh, I can't handle what today. You say is your greatest achievement? Is your tan? <laughs> okay, that's really mean, is but I will post. Announcing revival. <laughs> you guys, why? <laughs> I love you, Julie. <laughs> you know, this is just what we do. I'm going to murder you all in sleep. I mean, I'm just saying. The audience you, asks for it. I mean, we set up this reputation and shush now. Okay, a 2010 London revival and a and it. Oh, sorry. Sentences. Oh, Julie. It's okay, Julie. We'll just cut this bit out. I went to Bookfest and all do. my all my reading skills are we just shot. I never cut it out. Can we cut this bit out? Never happens. Okay, unless you swear. <laughs> twenty ten London Revival, also produced. And in twenty twelve as part of New York City's outdoor Shakespeare in the Park series. Even though this was not Shakespeare. Um, there are then, a few things in that. Season that not write all the fairy tales. Is that <laughs> all the fairy tales. Oh no, that was the Hans Christian Andersen brothers. Yes. Uh, these ones are actually the Grimm and Ch- the Grimm Peralt. brothers. Wait, Peralt. which ones were uh, brothers? Charles, Charles Perrault. The brothers Grimm. Yes, and yes. Charles Perrault. Yes. Yeah. yeah, good stories, guys. <laughs> we're really good. Way darker than they're ever told now. Very much so. And I really think we should get back to teaching kids about heel cutting off and stuff like that. That's fun. Well, they, that's it's all that's how the stories appear yeah. into the woods. It's great. It is great. Uh, so then we move to home, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you little stories about what we got going on in Sydney. So a production played in Sydney from nineteenth of March nineteen ninety three to the fifth of June nineteen ninety three at uh, the Drama Theatre in Sydney Opera House. It starred. Are we ready? I've braced I'm myself. only going to pick my fave out of this list. Oh, I know. I, I, actually I know have who it is. One cast member of this that I know from something. All right, let's excited. let's round table it. Who do you think it is? I think you're going to mention your friend and mine, Philip Quast. Yeah. Who do you think I'm going to mention? Oh, I don't think you're going to mention. I'm just going to say that I want you to mention Rowan Witt because he is famous for a strange oh, reason. Oh, who do you think I'm going to mention? Queenie Van der Sand. Ding ding ding! Miranda is correct. Philip Quast. <laughs> I know friend what of the you show. like. <laughs> Play school. <laughs> yeah, you like play school. That's right. Um, a Melbourne theatre company played uh, from the 17th of January 1998 to the 21st of February 1998. Um, and it starred – I'm, oh, I'm going to pick another fave, but I don't know which ah. – I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to pick a hate. <laughs> oh, okay. Lisa McCune. Is it Lisa McCune? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, of course, we kind of have to talk about the Disney film adaptation that was released in 2014. That film did real pretty good. 
Real pretty, real pretty real, good. That did, film did, <laughs> done did, did real pretty good. And it, 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 like Beauty and the Beast has done this last year, like it, it split musical theatre down the middle. I'm, I'm okay yeah, with some it. Some people hate it, some people I'm, like it. I'm neither here nor there about it. I kind of liked it. It was actually I the first time it. I ever saw Into the Woods was the movie. That was the first like exposure I had to it. And so the, the music in the show kind of carried me through the bits of the movie that aren't that good. Like Johnny Depp mm. Mm. and Anna Kendrick a bit. Well, Johnny Depp um, was uh, did that as a favour to Disney and the director who he just worked with on um, one of the parts of the Caribbean films. Yeah. And as a favour, he said, all oh, right, I'll come and do like a bit part for just $1 million. <laughs> So uh, we rather can, than we'll get the, back to yeah, cast, we'll get that, to that um, just for a measly little mill. <laughs> that means that part of the two hundred and thirteen million dollars, one mill went to Johnny. Yeah, zero point zero five It received three Academy Award nominations and three Golden Globe Award nominations. Nominations, suckers. I'm going to go ahead and guess all of the crappy, like, minor like art direction. It doesn't, I didn't even bother to read that far. Sound design, oh, no, costume. Were big ones. Hang on, hang on, let me scroll. Scrolling, 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 Meryl. scrolling. Oh, yeah, disappointing. Yeah. Uh, doesn't say. Like, if she's in a movie in a year, they just throw a best supporting at her no matter what. <laughs> Sometimes even when she's not in a movie. <laughs> Make her I'm, rain. I'm not going to hold that against her. I think she deserves it. She's paid her dues and she deserves a yearly Oscar. (laughs) It's just tradition now. (laughs) An interview on Ellen that she did, like Oscar. (laughs) And one for that. (laughs) Um, But yes, unless anyone has any other tidbits, does everyone have have any like fun facts, fun history facts? Uh, There were plenty of other movies. You know, yeah. There was talk about movies for a long time. Like, so there were various like adaptations. This has been in production, out of production, in production, out yeah. of production. So since since the mid early mid nineteen nineties, they've been talking movies, and a few of them have got up, and we'll talk about that in casting. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Some awesome. some really interesting ones that I wish we'd gotten. <laughs> yeah, something to look forward to. All right, well, let's take a break. We'll come back and talk plot and characters. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Into the Woods plot. Now, you already know most of it. It's a pretty easy plot. It is all of the fairy tales rolled into one tied together with these pseudo-new characters, Baker and Baker's wife. Hmm. Yeah. Like one. And then, like, derail for yes. a whole lot too. Yes, yeah. so, so Cinderella, you, she has her story with her prince. Rapunzel is technically the Baker's little sister as and that she's trapped in a tower with the other prince little red riding hood has her 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 her, her time with the big bad wolf and the grandmother and the huntsman uh jack and his mother sell the cow get the beans from the baker that he got from the witch and he goes and has his adventures in the the giant kingdom in the sky and at the end of Act One, they all kind of tie together and everyone lives happily ever after. 
Ever after. Yeah. So anyone want to add anything into that? Like it's, it, there are like... I think it's worth noting that while the events of all of those stories happen in sequence as expected, mm. the way the characters react to them are not necessarily the way you're used to hearing the stories. Yeah. So, for instance, for example, E.G., Cinderella doesn't come away from the ball going, oh, the prince is so handsome and we're obviously in love now. Mm -hmm. She spends the entire first act trying to run away from him because he's chasing her down going, oh, but I must have you because you're running away. that the hot prince as well? Depending on I the I think uh, they're both the hot prince. No, I'm just, we're... okay, which one was Chris Pine? That one. I'll <laughs> say <Yeah. laughs> the rapey prince, though. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would yeah. let him. So, and um, the, there are a lot more interactions with the, the baker and baker's yeah, wife so storyline. All of the characters are fleshed out as actual characters with motivations and reservations and kind of conflicts with other people there. Mm. And they all have their stories taking place in the titular woods, which yes. is a place where anything can happen, where stories play out, etc., etc. Is that just like the, t- the word titular? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Of course it is. Zane loves to say the word titular. I know. I, but do there's I? also <laughs> Yeah, you do. There's also the, the main, the, seemingly the main story that all the others are surrounding and that draws them all together is the baker and baker's wife who trying to find the items for the spell for the witch to break to the curse yeah remove the childlessness curse from the, them so i think the easiest way to think about it even though it's like maybe not the best way to describe it but the easiest way to think about it is like fairy tales the fairy tales you know and love in a love actually setting <laughs> so they're all connected yeah. everyone knows everyone somehow well, what they need is they need the shoe from Cinderella, mm-hmm. the hair from Rapunzel, the coat, the coat from as red as blood from Little Red, Little Red. Wait, but don't they also need the hair from Rapunzel? That yeah. you've yeah. said that. That's hair four. Is, hair is gold. Yes, that's right. But then they end up with the corner. Yes, yeah. it's been a while since I've watched the actual show. So, end of Act One. The baker and his wife have their baby. Aww. Cinderella and <laughs> Cinderella and her prince living happily in the castle. And she's going to have a festival at the beginning of Act Two. And Rapunzel and, and her prince and Jack and his mother are rich now because they have uh, all the giant treasure. Mm. Then giant treasure. what could possibly happen in Act Two? Well, turns out that Ever After isn't all that it's uh, cracked up to be. Uh Uh-oh. Because even though they killed the giant, they didn't kill the giant's wife. (gasps) Dun-dun-dun. Actually, no, we left out the witch. The witch needs the potion to make herself young and beautiful again. Always. And when she gets that, she loses her magical powers. Yeah, which kind of sucks. I don't yeah. know what I'd want more. And magical, magical powers. powers. <laughs> <laughs> and she also loses Rapunzel, who she had been keeping trapped in the tower and uh, to protect her. Because the world is a terrible because place. Because the world is a terrible place. So um, when Rapunzel escapes, 
she basically says, yo, you kept me locked in a tower. That was pretty mean. It's pretty mean. Pretty mean, mum. <laughs> so uh, everyone gets a happy ending except for the witch. At the well, end she does of get what first. she wants, but she loses her magical powers and Rapunzel, which mm. is the nominative price. Mm. And, of course, she is the villain, I guess. So in the first act. Mm. In the second act, though, well, look, the... Giant's wife comes down, starts threatening. She wants Jack. And then they have... Everyone kind of gets together in the woods and starts blaming each other because the baker gave the gave Jack the beans but then Little Red dared Jack to go up. But then he only had the beans because his dad had them and he stole them from the witch so it's his dad's fault. But then it was his wife who sent him in to get the things and so it was her fault uh, and of course the witch not the witch the the baker's wife has a moment in the woods with splattered wait what <laughs> oh, and then gets immediately splattered after that yeah she she <laughs> she sins Rapunzel also dead by that point a lot of people dead look they're all dead. dead Everything dead, goes dead, wrong dead, dead. when 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 the giant's mm. giant's wife comes down. Uh, so, what are you going to do? The prince has a moment with the baker's wife in the woods, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to see that because I've listened to it a few times in research for this. I don't know whether the prince Pretty actually says rapey. Well, it's, yeah, because it's like this is just what happens in the woods. So thanks for being here this time. Textbook rapist. See you later. Or it's kind of like I'm here to give you a happy moment and now I'm leaving. So it's it's kind of both (laughs) ways and I guess it's down to how cynical you are. (laughs) She does an awful lot of, no, don't do that. And he's like, no. But she is also obsessed with the prince Mm. in the first act. Yeah. And learning about the prince. So maybe and kind it's more of, like, no, don't that is do that. one interpretation. <laughs> and the princes, of course, having their happy ever after with their wives, have found other damsels in distress and want to go and save them like instantly as well. Instantly, because is marriage like, is marriage is the more cracked out to be. The know. chase is better than the yeah yeah. Oh, and then I guess it just kind of wraps up. <laughs> just yeah. wraps up. No, no not quite. it doesn't. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't just kind of wrap which up. Flips, flips out and so melts into a puddle. Really, yeah. really um, important part, I think, is at that moment <laughs> when they're all blaming each other for this destruction that that's been caused by the giant coming down, and the giant is saying, "You know, bring me Jack." It's just. I, I just want to, and I won't eat kill you Jack. all. Yeah, bring me Jack, um, and I won't kill you all. The because they can't, she can't see very well. The characters decide to give him or give her, sorry, the narrator. Yeah, because they don't need him. He's just, <laughs> he's just. He thinks he's in story. control of things, so he goes from being outside the story to being dragged into it, and then from that point. Everything goes completely off the rails because the characters aren't being guided by that anymore, and there's so there's a whole another sort of meta level to the storyline from that point. 
So when they're not being guided from that anymore... They have to learn to make their own decisions and... And, and they all struggle of, with it. There's a, yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of conflict in what is the good thing to do. What, what, what's then, the right choice that makes me a good person? And that kind of comes back to the witch in The Witch's yeah. Lament. As she's like, all right, the right thing to do is to give her Jack. Jack sinned. She wants that. No one else will die. But they're like, no, we can't just kill someone like that. And that's where she kind of reaches her finale, which is like, right, well, this isn't worth it. I'm not, I don't want to be pretty anymore. You're wrong. Uh, The world is a terrible place. You need to... I'm out. I'm out. And she disappears ambiguously, usually. (laughs) Yeah. whether she goes back to being a crone with magical powers or whether she magical suicide or whatever it is. Well, it is. It's ambiguous. She <laughs> it's just like, such a weird thing to say. No magical they, um, suicide. They changed the lyrics of uh, this is Last Midnight when this happens in the second mm-hmm. act. And um, in that the later production that James Lapine sort of rehashed and they changed the lyrics to this song, it really changed the the meaning behind a fair bit of it by angling it toward the child and bringing it back to the whole relationship between Rapunzel and the witch and the fact that the witch being barren was... There's all these other layers with the character. But um, there's actually a sneaky little line thrown into that version of it where she says she's going back to where she came from. So, and in the original lyrics, none of that yeah, was yeah. in there. So there, there must be another layer of understanding of where she's come from, why she's there, and where she's going. That possibly only Stontime and Lapine actually know. Maybe Bernadette Peters. <laughs> they probably told <laughs> her. Um, well, I know digging into the actual the 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 lore of the fairy tales, witches were usually like fairies. So she could just be going back to that's the tradition the other they, realm. Yeah. they come from in fairy tales. But yeah, it's 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 really it's difficult ambiguous. to know. Yeah, yeah. I I think it is left that way um, because there isn't meant to be like a final uh, like moralistic message. I think it's just kind of like I can see what's going on and I don't want to be a part of it anymore. Mm. Whereas like if she was like, no, this is how things should be and fixing it with that omniscience that she has. Uh, So at the end of all this, the baker has lost his wife. Jack has lost his mother. Uh, The princes have lost their their princesses. Cinderella and the baker kind of go about reconciling what it is to be a parent and the baker's wife hasn't disappeared. She sings from beyond the grave. (laughs) And that, it kind of ends with uh, children will listen. Hmm. So you left with that, the new pseudo-family unit of Little Red, Jack, the baker and Cinderella Cinderella. with the baker's child. 
because the princes, of course, have their new princesses mm-hmm. in Snow White. Who make a, a dazzling last-minute <laughs> appearance. Imagine being cast as a, was Snow White and who's the other one? Um, uh, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Because yeah. there's no ensemble parts in the show, so it's not like you get to like pop in and sing other bits <laughs> elsewhere. Well, you do, actually. There's a lot of other small parts yeah, that well, often get double, triple cast. Would they not just the use sisters. the two yeah. stepsisters? Yeah, yeah usually. Well, stepsisters have their own yeah. beers going on. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They were dead by then. Don't they go off into the woods after they get no. blind? You could bring it. Milky White in as well. They don't die. They survive. That's <laughs> true. Just dressed up in a skirt. Yeah. Well, and maybe yeah, the yeah. giant. Well, there's text. also. Um, Depends if she's been played by Cinderella's a cow. mother, the. Um, Father and mother. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll put down the skirt. Done. Sometimes they're not there, though. So. <laughs> steward. Is yeah. So, so there are a few other little bits ah, that can yeah. kind of can come back, but it is, so the overall arc of the story is that it's the first act is expo- is kind of getting to the happy ending, happy ever after, and then the latter is what happens afterwards, and that happy ever after implies that life ends, whereas it just keeps on going, mm. and yeah, yeah, that's kind of um, it, it's interesting to. To note people's reactions, some people really love the first half of the show and just think the second half's really unnecessary. Well, the junior like, version well, cuts the, the second, second part out entirely. Get it at all. The, the, sh- the message of the show is completely lost yeah. if you leave it interval. Yeah. Um, but And then there's other people who, who love it in its entirety and really sink into the second act, mm. the darkness of it all going wrong. I think it's like, like there's two people in the world. Sometimes stuff like it's written to be like a whole text, mm. and like I think the choice, like in the junior edition, it is just it's the, the first, first act. Half. It's okay, just the first home. act. Weird. Not, and I think like why, why do that? Why? <laughs> I don't. It doesn't clean it up that much anyway. You've still got like "Hello, Little Girl" and a lot of other yeah. very weird yep. parts and dark absolutely, stuff for kids. <laughs> uh, particularly in that that original Broadway version, the costuming was uh, <laughs> questionable. What are you talking? About? That's the best part of the whole show. <laughs> oh, like uh, I think I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, so it's on YouTube, so it's okay. Like <laughs> it's not a real wolf penis. <laughs> It's what? not a real human penis Is either. It? It's, Dang it. It's made out of plastic. Well, there goes my casting for Zac Efron. So. <laughs> uh, he would have done a better job than Johnny Depp, controversially. Probably, yes. Um, well, shall we take a break, come back and talk about the really interesting part of Into the Woods, the music? Yeah, it's good. All right, Malcolm. Hi. Talk about the music. Heck. Um... <laughs> I, I, We're timing I it. Specifically, and put myself go. onto. I specifically put myself onto the songs because um, I like, I'm a music theory dork. That's like I, I did. It. That's the best kind of dork to be. I mean, that's one of the kinds of dork that I am. <laughs> but um, so I really wanted to just dig in there. Uh, I, I will restrain from talking just like unresolved dominance and uh, you know hemiolas across the bar and all of these things that I that are in this score. I'm sorry, really cool. Henry Rollers across the bar? Yes, so many. <laughs> hemiolas is that word. Um, but what I think is really interesting about this show compared to a lot of uh, music theatre is that they do. he does a lot to like stitch it all together so the entire show feels like it's just like one symphony practically, you know, like... Uh, and a big part of that is it uses all these little like motifs 
much more than just like reprise in Act Two that's a bit darker than Act One, like most shows do. But these tiny little melodies and things that keep reappearing over and over again uh, in really interesting ways. And so I think that's something that's really cool. Um, but yeah, we'll just we'll leap in. Uh, so we start leap with in. Our jump in <laughs> Act One prologue into the woods, which is like seventeen minutes long. Uh, into the woods. And it just has 30,000 words in it? Yes, I think so. I think the length wow. of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I don't think that's the actual number. Like, um, I, was, <laughs> I was using hyperbole. Uh, but I thought that was a well-researched statistic. I, uh, um, I, to briefly tell a story, I uh, saw this show, uh, the movie of this in Townsville, uh, beautiful town that I love. Uh, but Which is, is maybe... two towns maybe stuck not together? The, um, yes. I saw yeah. it in Tharangawa, in fact. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe not the uh, richest fertile land for a movie like Into the Woods. And uh, I was watching it, and when it gets to the end of this ridiculously long opening number, a guy behind me, and I'm sorry, I'm going to have to break the profanity filter, a guy behind me um, yelled out at the stage, is this a fucking musical? And I was like, yeah, buddy, like you've got to, it's, it's going to keep coming. <laughs> yeah, brace yourself. <laughs> so, sorry, dude. What a singing in this show. Until the end of like the first 20 minute number. He was number. just waiting for the first gap and he was just there and he was like, there's so many notes, it's a lot. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, this, this song is quite amazing for how much exposition it manages to get across without ever breaking the beat. Uh, it just goes and goes and goes, jumps between characters, people keep seeing little tiny snippets all over the place. Uh, from some um, direct things that I, from watching Sondheim in interviews, uh, he intentionally interrupts the narrator halfway through a sentence with the start of the song so that he comes in and says, a long time ago in a land far, boom, 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 uh, so that the audience all sits up and like suddenly realises that this isn't going to be the show that they were expecting. Uh, to make that drive all the way through, he also never breaks the uh, crotchet. There is a crotchet underneath for the entire 15 minutes. No yeah, there is. No matter what time signature change, key signature changes that he goes through, everything else that he does, <laughs> that's always there, which I think is really clever. Um, and you get a couple of little like motifs that are cool, like the, uh, the festival, which turns up a little bit here. Um, the, what's it called, the Rapunzel melody that she sings mostly, but that one. Everyone's way. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, you know, um, remember that because that's, that's going to reappear a lot in this show. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I don't, you know, it's, it's hard to really talk about what's going on in this song because it goes forever. Everything. But, yeah, there's a witch's Balls, rap in the middle there. Probably got introductions. To just <laughs> set up every single storyline yeah. that is about to happen. So it, it's five cross stories, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. In one it. song. Shout out the witch's rap in there somewhere, which is a fairly famous part uh, of that yeah. bit. yeah. Which, you know, is pretty cool. Some, um, Only Sondheim could write a rap about vegetables. He, <laughs> he says it's not a rap. It's just really fast recitative exposition. Which is just what rap him. is, right? It doesn't, have the, it doesn't have, like, the beat really underneath <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, fair enough. Yo, what tell you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much Spice Girls, I'm pretty sure. I heard you yeah, tell yeah, you what yeah, I want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is the Spice Girls not the epitome of rap mm-hmm. yes. in mm-hmm. our culture? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Five white girls? Yeah. One of them is black, yeah, Zane. Wow. Oh. Can you... She's pretty black. Oh, gosh. Um, um, yeah. 
But yeah, um, cool okay, hit some skips. Uh, there's a few songs in this early part that I sort of always forget are in there because they really just feel like they're part of that. So you get like Cinderella at the Grave, uh, The Spells on My House, I get this, Guess This Is Goodbye, all kind of still feel like this opening section where they're all just kind of heading out on their journey and they barely even made it yet. Um, but in the middle of all of that, you get one of the more famous parts of the show, which is uh, Hello Little Girl between the Wolf and Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, but this is the first part where it gets weird. Yeah, where you start to get the feeling that this isn't a normal um, fairy tale. So uh, it's, it's hard to tell how much of this is from the fairy tale, the uh, like strong sexual undertone of this song. But uh, musically, uh, obviously there's a the really cool like juxtaposition between the two parts that practically sound like different songs being sung over the top of each other when she mm. comes in. Oh, and then his is like really slow and like sultry in a weird way. Um, Predatory. Yeah. Well, a, a lot, that is the, the kind of the premise of the original fairy tale. Yeah. Is that it's an, it's an analogy of the loss of innocence. So mm. the, the kind mm. of sexual connotation. Because nothing else gets very sexual in the show except Moments the wolf. Yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of messed up because I've always found the wolf slightly hot and now I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't have and I'm questioning. He does have that everything. very deep voice in which the classic is, Broadway cast. Which is exactly the struggle Little Red has. Yeah. Because yeah, the wolf right. is a prince in wolf's clothing. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's my struggle. Um, yes. <laughs> And also, I, I find it really gross that he describes her as lush. That's the hardest word for me to get past. <laughs> the entire song. Lush, like a bath bomb. Nice and lush. You're like, Bleh. gross. Um, yeah, a little bit of skipperoos. Uh, so the spells on my house: the baker and the baker's wife having an argument. That's uh, a reprise of a bit of the uh, prologue. Uh, I like that the baker and his wife. They. Um, the big fight all the way through Act 1 is that he's really overprotective of her and he doesn't want her to go into the woods and she's fighting for her independence, which is going to turn up with a lot of irony in Act 2. Um, and then, yeah, Jack ditches the cow. Maybe their magic between the baker's wife and the baker, which I believe is an entire song just to set up one of the dumbest puns in the whole the of The best Sondheim. puns right? no. in oh musical. The <laughs> best. Come on, come on, Sondheim. And Your justifies best. the beans, which... Ooh, ooh. Gold, gold. You know that when when he decided to write mm. a musical, you know he, he was he giggling down, like a little girl. Like, he was what, like, "Yeah, this is gonna uh, be good." What can Everyone's I do love with this, this word beans? <laughs> the, I mean, like the end justifies the beans. No, I can't work then, it in anywhere. Let's write a whole song <laughs> to get to this this one pun. Is like, come on, no, no, no. He had he had a lot of confidence in that moment. You can tell because he wrote it with an exclamation and mark musically. <laughs> Like, are you ready, audience? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then just... There's another one of those later. Um, I do not question Sondheim often. <laughs> no. This it's, one it's gold. <laughs> it's gold. He oh. knew it when he wrote it. There was a big smile on his face and he basically took a bow and said, you're welcome, world. He, he would also, have been like me when you say titular. Like, he would have been like... <laughs> harking, <laughs> harking back to the prologue. Like, this is going to yes, be funny I was gonna say, there's forever. Well, I've just done a little bit of uh, of further research, and it is inconclusive on depending homework. on who's who, how how you count the words. But it's between twenty three hundred and three thousand words Christ. in that one song. 
And how well, many of them are so the woods? Many, <laughs> many of them. Seventy-five percent. About yes. Uh, yeah, the other Into one. The that, woods to grandmother's house. I skipped in the prologue. The other bit of lyric writing that's ridiculous, and you're just kind of like, okay, we get it. You're very clever. Is the um, there's no time to sit and dither while her withers wither with her. But she goes, okay, sometime. Come on. Um, that is sometime genius. I know it, it is brilliant, but it's sometimes you're just this like is, it is. It is brilliant, yes, but it's kind of like smart sometimes. <laughs> like we know how good you are sometimes, but you know how you know that. Because of that line. That's how you know. <laughs> Without um, this. All right. It was always a groan. It was always a groan. No. Oh, I really like that line. Never. I was being mean. It's no. amazing. Um, we have, yeah, we're just up to Our Little World, which, like, I, I think I've never sat Our down and listened to world. all the way through. Uh, um, it's on the recording with Vanessa Williams, mm-hmm, and sure. she sings it with a very special tone. Okay. That is a bit like that. Mm-hmm. My little one. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, um... Plot-wise, it's nice. It's the first time that you sort of realise that the witch is not as villainous a character as you would think. Normally in Rapunzel's story, she doesn't care about Rapunzel and she locks her up there. But in this one, she does actually, like, love Rapunzel. She's just real bad at it. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of nice and that's starting to tell you that this is going to go a bit weird. I mean, if you're going to steal a baby, you might (laughs) like, grow affection towards it. She borrowed the baby. Well, I think... Um, It was a deal. She gave it back. She struck a deal for the baby. Yeah. You can have whatever greens from my Stole garden the beans. you want. Yeah, but that was because she was like having pregnancy cravings. So like what's the point of being like, here's the beans you want. Oh, by the way, when that thing comes out, oh, you're going to have no, to no, give no. it to the next door. The beans were extra. Yeah, she said you can take oh, anything else. right, but my beans. Not the beans which made her fugly. Like that's mean. Um, we're, up to, I, we're up to I know things now, uh, which is just sort of, the full circle of this little Red Riding Hood uncomfortable sexual awakening, depending on how old the person playing her is. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I don't think you can avoid it, unfortunately. No, but I mean, at least if there's, if there's a certain age limit where you at least can be like, I'm just mm. yeah. I've only ever seen adults play her, so. And the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was one of the things that people took exception to. Oh, <laughs> I mean, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I, uh, what I, what I, when I was looking at the score of this, what's funny is that um, if you do give this song to a little kid, it is so hard because it's really normal all the way through, but I've never heard a singer, adult or child, not like desperately scoop to those ridiculous um, the jumps. Like you can't, it's so weird and angular, the melody of this. And then it does this really strange key change in the middle of it when it goes into the, uh, like when she's being swallowed by the wolf. It keeps mm. like doing truck driver key changes bar at a time. It's like upper semitone, upper semitone, upper semitone over and over again. So that's like really kind. hard to sing all at once uh, for especially if you did try to get a little kid to sing that. Um, but yeah, and then just does it kind of um, finishes on that one weird last word and a little bit not, which um, yeah, I like. A very nice prince, Cinderella and the baker's wife. This is when we start to get, as we were talking about, that sort of like um, she's, they're both very indecisive and uh, you can't really figure out which one of them is supposed to, uh, you know, really end up with who Cinderella can't make up her mind um, is another really important motif it's going to turn up a lot all the way through this show um, in some sneaky places uh, <laughs> I mean then, the I think the biggest change in character from the text that we're all the most familiar with is Cinderella mm. because she's never like because she's given doubt yeah she's mm. never driven to She's not even, like, driven to escape her life. Mm. It's just kind of like she's put in this situation. She's like, oh, I don't know if I want to be here. Mm. Things are just happening to me 
And, yeah, so I think that's... Because in Cinderella, she always wants to get away from her home life into something better, whereas in this she has the option, but she's like, oh, I don't know if this is what I want either. Mm. So I think that ties in with the story, but it's yeah. a very big difference to that character that we're so familiar yeah. with. Obviously that's, that's going to turn up a lot more by the time we get to the end of this act and we get to um, Steps of the Palace especially. Um, yeah, and then you get First Midnight slash Into the Woods reprise, which is one of these like sort of classic sometime group numbers where like the whole cast just dances on and off saying like half of a sentence over and over again. Uh, also, um, there's absolute a, chaos. a slotted spoon doesn't yeah. hold much soup. <laughs> the bigger the prize. Yeah, around and around and around. Um, and then we get Giants in the Sky, which I'm told is a really common audition song. Uh, I would never sing it in an audition because it has a horrendous octave leap in the middle of it. That's why people That's do, why it. I do it. That's why do it. Because yeah. if you can do it well, well some it's impressive. Yes, and, and that's why <laughs> the audition panel is also very thankful for people who choose to mm, do it. Some of us sing very stepwise songs because <laughs> we are not good at that. Uh, the fun thing about Giants in the Sky, if you ever listen to it, is that there are giants in the sky is Rapunzel's ode again. Bah, 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 bah. And also the uh, like the first little thing is also the whole of Rapunzel's ode over and over yeah. again really fast, uh, which is quite clever. And, uh, oh, some time, you card. <laughs> Agony! <laughs> Sorry. Agony, um, which is most people's favourite song in the show. It's great mm. fun. Uh, it's one of the things that I think the movie added the best is how much action they get into the yeah. blocking of Agony. Because yeah. if you watch the Broadway one, it's like boring as. Like they're just standing there. Well, the the entertainment of this number is in the the lyrics. Mm. As most the, of it is, the but competitiveness between them, I think, is yeah. Really funny. yeah. I think the the movie added that the physical, yeah, uh, sort of aspect to the competitiveness. The, I think that un, the shirt unbuttoning is like irreplaceable. <laughs> I think if that's not in the, like, the hastily unbuttoning a shirt, is the I've never thing. actually enjoyed it as much as I did when I saw the movie. I was like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, yes. and like splashing over the edge of the mountain. Yeah. Um, the one bit of cool music thing that he does in here is that in order to make the two characters feel like they're arguing, um, Cinderella's prince finishes his chorus and sometimes cuts him off half a bar early specifically so that you have this weird sudden feeling of Rapunzel's prince coming in early as if he's, like, interrupting him. Yeah. Uh, which you, you don't even notice when you're listening to it, but it's just one of those little things that he, like, sneaks in there. Um, we get a very nice prince again, which... Uh, plays out very similarly these two sort of it's almost identical uh and i think both times he's really just singing the very start of on the steps of the palace so that like by the time it comes around for the third time and she's sort of um by herself she has more of an opportunity to make that decision second midnight which almost exactly the same as first midnight in i mean style wise but you skipped over it takes two i did my bad i'm looking right at it here it takes (laughs) two babe it takes two yeah, um, it's a, it, it is a, um, one of the, one of the less well, one of the more generic songs in the I show. Mean, I think I, it's got a couple of uh, so it's got some ridiculous sometimes style lyrics. It's one of these things that he does a lot where he like picks about five syllables and writes as many of them into it as he can. So you go takes two, takes one, two, and does quite an interesting meter in the way that he rhymes those words together. And so withers wither with her. Mm, yeah, these yeah these weird kind of sometime lyrics that go around and around in circles and keep changing slightly every time they read. And actors actors love that. <laughs> that it was like, wait, what verse am I on? Yeah. Uh, mm. And also, 
like a lot of sometimes duets, the two characters are practically singing different songs until they overlap. So hers, you changed, you're different in the woods. And here's it takes two. Yeah, very different stylistically. And then they but only really they overlap at the very together, end. But when they come together, it's a magical moment and mm-hmm. really tells the story of the song. Of course. Well, this is, this is approaching the... Uh, the end of Act One. Mm. This is starting to tie the happy ending together. Yeah, yeah. You're, f- yeah, you're feeling very sort of complete at this point. They've kind of overcome their conflict from the start. Realize that they have to work together from here. They sort of are a pretty cohesive unit. Mm. Uh, and so when they sing a duet, I think unison. I would double check that, but are they playing practically in unison at the end of this song? So they're, mm. they're they're together at that point. They're no longer kind of singing weird stuff. Second midnight. Now I can unskip that. Very similar to First Midnight. And then we get um, Stay With Me, which is uh, amazing. It's one of my favourite songs in the whole show. Uh, the, of course, here we again, we see... Is the, is the kind of the driving part of this. Don't you know what's out there in... Uh, and I think that here is where you really like... The fact that The Witch gets the nicest song in Act yeah. 1, yeah. you know, really starts to subvert the expectations of the audience that, she, you know... She's really not a villainous character by this point. She's actually done most of the heavy lifting of fixing all. Maybe the at the start the of the song, but the end of the song is mm. like scary flip, mm. which then sort of almost reaffirms for the audience. Oh no, actually, yep, feel free. She's yeah. the villain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. One of the sort of broader themes of the whole show is that things are very complicated in this show, like that there's no simple characters and there's no like straightforward answers at all. So, yeah, there's, there's no obvious character that you can just say, other than the wolf who never gets any, like, anything, by the way. He just gets killed and no one ever feels bad about him. He's just hungry. Hungry is one H word that he might have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, uh, let's just say he was hungry and thirsty, okay? Neat. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, we get my favourite song in the whole show, which is On the Steps of the Palace, uh, which the the lyrics of On the Steps of the Palace to me are the some of the best that sometime ever wrote. Um, that it took me about 15 listens of that song to realise that the first line of every verse rhymes, yeah. even though you'd never hear that from far away. So the, like, make your decision, what a prince would envision um, and face the collision, uh, yeah, you know, it stands as a part and yet they somehow you just kind of ties you back into the same structure so yeah classic sort of sometime where there's something of a verse structure but it's all over the place and of course um some some famously ridiculous alliteration at the end of some of those (laughs) still standing stuck on the stuff in the steps uh my uh my second fun story from watching this uh musical in the um in townsville was that at that point where she goes i'll just leave him a clue for example like 17 people in the audience yelled a shoe <laughs> at, the, at the stage. And I was like, yeah, I love of it. course a shoe, obviously. Like we've all seen Cinderella. <laughs> I love interactive theatre. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. not a pantomime, people. Go, go Patty. So, um, to, to be perfectly honest, though, I really do love those moments in a cinema where people are involved enough to interact with mm. what is happening on the screen. Oh, I mean, Things like that, to actually say that out loud. One of the um, complete sidetrack, <laughs> feel free to cut this out, but I know you won't. No, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> You're the, um, when they released the silent film, The Artist. Hmm. It's a yeah, modern made silent film, except for the little bit in, Best picture. in it that 
actually has sound because it's a dream sequence and meant to be freaky. But what I found really amazing about watching that film was that it gave people permission to make their own noise because they weren't disturbing anybody else. People were talking to each other, applauding in the middle of it, laughing out loud more than you would normally have Mm. in a film. And those things to me felt like it almost made it one step closer at least to live theatre. So I, I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah, yeah, it becomes an experience mm, in the space, mm, you know. That's the piece. But I'm pleased to hear that, that, that the movie had enough of an effect on those, the people in that cinema on that day <laughs> to actually garner that from to me, to me, it's also a testament to the, the way that that entire section is written, that he, like, you know, you practically want to say it for her, the fact that... Yeah. She put the pause in, you know, like... But the, the fact that it's like, <laughs> and I'll see what I'll do, and I'll put it in a shoot, and, like, you know, the rhymes just kind of keep pulling at you, and you're like, it's going to be shoot, it's going to be shoot, she's going to leave a shoot, and then it finally kind of gives you that really obvious time. So you, I think it's, yeah, it really shows that. Yeah, if Sondheim didn't want people to scream it, scream <laughs> it out in that pause... He would yeah. have just written it in the first one yeah, or not just, put a pause there. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets a big reaction in the... Uh, like, if you watch any of the live versions. Uh, you get a bit of careful, my toe. One of these points in the... Um, this, the end of this, there's a couple of great uh, things that happen in the actual fairy, Grim fairy tale that are not usually told, like them cutting bits off of the... Feet, feet of the stepsisters to try and get them into the shoes. And, you know, little, still not really addressed that only one person in this kingdom has the same size shoe and <laughs> unclear how long he's been out looking for her, but apparently only one day. So he was very lucky that she was in the first town he picked, I assume. Well, uh, he, she would have to be somewhere, like, close enough I mean, to a crossing by walking festival yeah several nights in a row yeah <laughs> but yeah so you know like i mean i assume she's a pretty ordinarily sized person like i guess if it's anna kendrick maybe he's just ignored anyone over a certain height in order to maybe it was so her. formed to her shoe like mm. she might have had just like weird shaped bunions that's what i'm assuming she's got <laughs> weird boat feet and that's yeah. why it works yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get Act One Finale Ever After, which is another one of these bits of like Ever really after. fast lyrics in there. Like, yeah. Feel free to keep talking over that. <laughs> <laughs> Background music. Um, yeah, and then this ends um, with Happily Ever After. And um, yeah, then we just sort of get big smash cut ending. Feels like we're done, but we're not done. We are. Yeah, it's it's one of the like the most confusing act breaks Mm. that I've ever experienced in like a a live theater setting because you're like, and it's almost long enough that first act that you get confusing. I I actually was sitting there thinking once, I'm sure there's an interval into the woods. (laughs) Yeah, there has to be. Come on. Yeah. Then I have to pay. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like all of that is intentional, really. Like that's yeah. that's all part yeah. of what he was and trying to drive. It's at. the end of what you know as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we get Act Two: Consequences. Essentially, yeah. Consequences of the musical. Let's uh, wreck their lives. Like, <laughs> oh no! A lot of this stuff is reprised, but often um, reworked in in really different ways, so that a lot of it's um, not that recognisable. Act Two Prologue, on the other hand, is practically exactly the same as Act One Finale combined with Act One Prologue. So yep. it feels like a lot of the same stuff. There's a couple little hidden bits in there. So some reprises of like First and Second Midnight, um, and I'm looking at. Um, and of course, the ending gets interrupted. Yes, by the arrival of 
And then it opens with Once Upon a Time later, which I like. Uh, You get a practically identical reprise of uh, Agony, except, of course, the princess of choosing new people. So, yeah, as I say, I love that that is instantaneous. Like, they don't even last one song into Act 2 before they're off looking for the next thing. It's like, I'm bored. (laughs) Question. I have a question because I don't remember. Um, Are the princes, like, damaged or maimed or something by that time? Rapunzel's prince gets his eyes stabbed out but then gets instantly healed again, doesn't he? Because Rapunzel cries on his face. Yep. No. I thought yeah. during that agony there was something wrong with one of them and that brought a whole new meaning of that song. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah she no, get, he gets no. fixed. It's, yeah, he it's gets, all fixed by then? Yeah, he yep. gets damaged uh, but he's fixed. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's the thing is that... You do find out that he has so a thing they. about dwarfs. Mm. What, for them or about them? He doesn't like them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> what... Uh, what I think is great is that every other character learns all of these lessons in these shows and grows and sees all this depth except for those two who yep. learn nothing, yeah. change no behaviour. My kind of people. And also just make it out completely fine because they don't care about any of the people who died, including at times their own wives. Because they've got new like, ones. Yeah, they don't, exactly. They don't need the old ones anymore. And it's like I think, you know, it's part of the lessons that this is teaching. Just some people don't change and they don't learn anything. Particularly... Privileged men. Yeah, entitled pricks. We get Witch's Lament, uh, which is the sort of stay with me, only much darker. Rapunzel has just died. Um, I can't pull off the top of my head how this is made darker. I think it's mostly, it's... It stays much sort of more tender, doesn't it? It doesn't get as like big and emotional as Stay With Me ends. Is that correct? Am I vibing that wrong? Let's see. Uh, well, it doesn't have the anger in the same way at mm. the end. She's quite yeah. like sort of. She's just about ready to to give up at that point. It seems. Yeah. The well, then and then she, it goes into not uh, the fault song, your fault, uh, my in fault. A bit. It's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So and then she redirects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get this little double, which is another bit of sometime lyric writing. Any moment and moments in the woods, we get a lot of things going around in there. Uh, my favorite line in there is, um, "Life is seldom very pleasant." You should know this as a peasant. Yeah. Times. And also one of those like, um, what is it? Take this moment as a present for the present in the moment, or something like that. There's a ridiculous one in there. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and then <laughs> moments in the woods with the baker's wife uh, starts hidden really fast in there she actually sings um he's a very nice prince again in a little tiny version so it's like she's taken over cinderella's role and she has quite a similar emotional journey through this song only she kind of lands in a different place so i like that cinderella's lesson that she learns in act one is that sometimes you don't have to make a decision it's like her great moral growth is i'm just gonna let god take care of this Uh, whatever happens happens whereas uh the baker's wife makes a like strong character decision and then gets immediately stepped on by a giant like like seconds afterwards so all of that character development and growth was quite pointless at that point um but for us the audience we learn a lot i think (laughs) was it pointless or was that the end of her journey Mm. like she's made the choice so she doesn't have to grow anymore and it's she's now a lesson for other people and it's time to leave the woods presumably by being punted out of them by the by the Bye. <laughs> um, your fault. Uh, lightning fast, crazy lyrics. Hiding in the middle of that is there are giants in the sky. Is uh, hidden yeah. in the melody of this that. This is almost my favorite song in this show. It's Very fantastic. cool. Uh, yeah, mashed so up in well there. Um, 
a lot of the times when they're singing about things that happened, they steal tiny bits of the melody of the song that happened at that time. So you get little tiny um, glimpses of things like Giants in the Sky, a tiny bit of It Takes Two, and uh, even some Hello Little Girl is hiding in yeah. there, which is I really mean, it's, cool. It's really a classic 11th hour number because mm. it ties all the rest mm. of the stories and uh, all the rest me, of the it's motifs. It's the introduction to the 11th hour yeah, number. Yeah, that's true. I Can think, we I call think, it what it is? Uh, I, I really tie I these two together. It's a prologue. I don't know which of the next two I would say. I mean, I guess the No One Is Alone is really the finale feels like. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, yes, you do get to Last Midnight. Uh, Last Midnight actually has a lot in common musically with Hello Little Girl. I don't know what you want to read into that. <laughs> but um, you're so nice. Is the same as what the witch, uh, the wolf sings in the first act when he's singing about carnality or something mm. else. Gross. Uh, but yeah, The Last Midnight, um, it just takes this like the two of them straight after each other is such a massive gear switch in terms of music. You go from this like really um, textured, fast stuff happening underneath to Last Midnight, which is practically just like note and then she sings and then, like, one chord. And so it's like, really sort of drums at you very slowly and she sings this really, like, dark um, sort of semitone-based melody, which is, yeah, it's kind of crunchy. Mm. Uh, and then you get Delicious. to something that I just forget about, which is, like, always cut from um, adaptations disappeared in the uh, movie which is No More, which is the baker and the mysterious man, who, by the mm. way, is a character none of us have talked about because he's, like, super pointless and I don't understand why he's in the show. Um, <laughs> well, he's, he's there for this one reason. Yeah, but he just keeps wandering on all the way through Act 1 saying stuff. He's trying to help. Yeah, and, like, is he dead? I don't... It's weird. And then he turns out here that he was the baker's father this whole time and they sing this... Sorry, that was a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> and they sing this song, which is essentially the baker mostly planning to bail... Uh, which would have been quite a dog move considering he's leaving behind a little baby. Mm, but, <laughs> yeah, just like just sort of kiting out at that point. But uh, it is eventually one back around and it sort of drives you into No One Is Alone, uh, which I couldn't believe was not in the original of the show. Mm, I know. Which is bonkers. Um, the, well, it's like saying, oh, finishing the hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't need that in, mm. in Sunday in the Park. It's the, just... The most poignant song the, uh, in the score. The massive payoff that's hiding inside No One Is Alone is that um, People Make Mistakes is backwards. So, you know, he's been building all the way through. He keeps reminding you of this Rapunzel melody over and over again. And then right at the end, he sings it backwards because the sort of the show has done a, a loop around and come back full oh circle. Oh, my God. Mind blown. <laughs> so Sitting on that one, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you're ever... <laughs> If you want to go and learn a lot about sometimes compositional process, there's like an hour video on YouTube of him and James Lapine talking about writing this show and some of the musical things he did and also some of the um, staging stuff that they thought we about. We will link it in the show notes. Yeah, have a look at that. It's really cool. Uh, and then, yeah, we get the Act 2 finale. Uh, and then you get Children Will Listen is kind of the, the place that it lands on and that's appeared three times. It's uh, in Stay With Me, she says children should listen. In uh, Witch's Lament, she says children don't listen and then now she says children will listen. Uh, so I think that that really kind of drives a lot of the uh, like the arc of this show. That she, yeah, you know, she sort of, at the start she's very like demanding of what should happen, and then she's given up and she's angry, and then at the end, a uh, bit of an ambiguous note between the two that they will listen, but whether they'll learn anything is, is not <laughs> necessarily known. And that's the music in Into the Woods. <laughs> How long was that? It was a while. <laughs> um, let's uh, take a quick break, get a drink, stretch it out. And we'll come back and talk cast. 
All right, Miranda, super quick. So Who's been quick. in this show? I have been challenged to do this in under six minutes. Okay, well. So are you ready, are ready? to hear some names? Don't start. Have you started the timer yet? yet? Okay. <clears throat> a five, six, a five, six, seven, eight. Okay, pre-Broadway San Diego production, 1986. You should not have gone back that far if you're going. I am going. I'm going. No, I'm just going to point out a few things, including uh, the fact that originally the wolf was not played by the prince. It was doubled with the narrator and the steward, which changed in the Broadway production. There are a few other role doubles that completely changed. And um, the witch in that production was played by Danielle Furland, followed by Ellen Foley, and then replaced by Bernadette Peters for the original production. Classic. Broadway production. Um, ka, ka, oh, Not God. I can't do this in under six minutes. You really can't. There's no, no way. Can't. Okay, here we go. Original There's Broadway. Of names. Original Broadway, 1987. Bernadette Peters as the witch. Joanna Gleason as the baker's wife, for which she won the um, only Tony Award for the show that went to an, a performance, and that was for Best Actress in a Musical. Um, the baker was played by Chip Zian, who we'll talk about again later, so keep that in mind. Uh, there's some other names here Kim Crosby, Ben Wright, Danielle Furland. Oh, that sounds familiar. Did she play the witch in the previous San Diego production? Yes, but she's not playing that now, so let's all move on. Chuck Wagner, Merle Louise, Tom Aldridge, and Robert Westenberg, and probably heaps of other people. Lots but of that's other people. what we're going with for now. Okay. Uh, Bernadette Peters left the show after about five months because she had to go film a movie, as you do if you're Bernadette Peters. So The Witch was then played by Betsy Jocelyn, who um, will reappear as The Witch and various other things in various other productions as well. So that's a name that keeps coming back to the show a little bit like our friend from The Producers who just Gary does Beach. every production. Um, uh, was then replaced by uh, Felicia Rashad and then Betsy Jocelyn again and then Nancy Dassault and then Ellen Foley who also played the witch in the um, pre-Broadway San Diego. So that role just kept getting replaced and replaced and replaced and replaced. There were a lot of other replacements throughout the cast because it was a long run and I think maybe people weren't expecting it to be after the previous couple of shows of Sometimes that maybe didn't run quite as long. Uh, Merrily, we roll along anyone. <laughs> yes. Uh, so um, Kay McClelland, also from the San Diego production, also made a reappearance as um, the baker's wife this time. Okay, so then, then in 1989, a couple of years later, the full original cast, with the exception of the girl who played Snow White in the end, who's a, right. <laughs> reunited for three performances to tape the musical in its entirety. So they finished the run, then they came back together with the original original Which cast. Which is something I wished happened so much more often than it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they did three performances to tape it with an audience and then they did a whole bunch of cutbacks and stuff. Most of the original cast also reunited for the 10th anniversary in 1997 and again for a concert in 2014. So they've had a long association with the show. Well done, you guys. Yeah, especially Bernie, Joanna Gleeson and Chipsian. 
All right, 1988 US tour. Here's a name we've never heard before, Betsy Jocelyn. No, wait, we have. She's in it again and she's touring the United States. Uh, Rex Robbins played the narrator and mysterious man. There are some other names here. Chuck Wagner, who uh, was in the original Broadway, is still with the show. And a whole bunch of other stuff happened. They made some changes to the script. They um, completely reconstructed the set and uh, fiddled with stuff, most of which got reverted afterwards. So let's not talk about it. Original London, West End, 1990. Julia McKenzie as the witch, Ian Bartholomew as the baker, and Imelda Staunton as the baker's <laughs> wife. Yeah. Dun, da, 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 da. Mind blown. Imelda Staunton won the Olivier Award for Best Actress in I would Musical have loved for that to role. I've seen that. Hmm. Yaha. Uh, the Cast, oh, sorry, I've moved on to 1998. So uh, we're, gosh, in it now. This is... Is this the first perspective movie? 1998 London Revival. Ah. No one particularly interesting. Sophie Thompson <laughs> as the baker's wife. Jenna Russell as Cinderella. Um, Jenna Russell also uh, you may know from the Regent's Park production. I, was that the one that was filmed? I'm going to come back to that. She's also the singer of the Red Dwarf theme. That's a fun fact. Oh, well, there you there. go. Uh, so she plays Cinderella in the 1998 London Revival but was then seen as the baker's wife in the Regent's Park um, in 2010. Uh, Sophie Thompson... Baker's wife in that one also won an Olivia Award for her performance in that revival. How are we going on time? It's five minutes, 20 seconds. Five, 20 Jeez, Louise. <laughs> uh, 2002 Broadway revival. This is a whole lot of rewriting and some brand new names, including Vanessa L. Williams as the witch um, and other people. Gosh, this is hard. Um, <laughs> and uh, Laura Bonetti as Cinderella, oh, who nice. a lot of people... Um, I uh, think that her recording is better than the original, but I don't know. Um, Judy Dench, pre-recorded voice of the giant. And Judy Dench's pre-recorded voice of the giant also appears in the oh, Regent's three, Park production in 2010 two, in London. One. Oh, that's six minutes? Yeah. You lose. Oh. Keep we going, only got though. to 2002. Okay, 2007 London Royal Opera House. Um, people did the show. There were a bunch of people from TV and stuff, so we don't really Ew. know the names, but if you TV. watch TV in England, maybe you do. Um, I think that is the first cast that is, like, really kind of, like, stunt cast. Yeah, like but it's, it's stunt cast with people I don't even really know. Even then, it's pretty mild for a Broadway. Like, a lot of the time you get way more, like... Well, it's London. It's, it's, it's London, London, yeah. So it's, like, that, British it's stunt British. cast. Like, you get Australian stunt <laughs> yeah, casting. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, absolutely. Um, that was... Somewhat quickly followed by the 2010 Regent's Park Open Air Theatre production. So um, this was in London. Really? Did I get that right? That Regent's, is Regent's Park, Park is. Yep. Yes. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> no, I'm just reading a thing from New York Times in the comments underneath it and I was confused. Um, uh, Hannah Waddingham, which is a very English name, mm. as the witch. Mark Hadfield as the baker. Jenna Russell, oh, that's a familiar name, as the baker's wife. Um, Helen Dallimore as Cinderella. Go, Ozzy, go. And Judy Dench's pre-recorded giant 
<clears throat> so this was performed outdoors in a wooded area. Um, <laughs> whilst the book remained mostly unchanged, the subtext of the plot was dramatically altered by casting the role of the narrator as a young schoolboy lost in the woods following a family argument. Does he still die? A device used to further illustrate the musical's themes of parenting, or lack thereof, and adolescence. So there you go. Um, I don't have the name of that little boy, but... Wow. He's probably just called Mysterious Boy. Mysterious I <laughs> Boy. I don't think you're allowed when you say it like that. I don't have the name of that little boy. <laughs> that little boy. <laughs> um, it opened to wide acclaim, um, mostly over the design. People really um, loved really the design. Cool, um, it's described as a marvellously rickety adventure playground of a set, all ladders, stairs and elevated walkways. Mm-hmm. And the natural environment makes for something genuinely haunting and mysterious as night falls on the audience. So they've actually timed the performances so that a majority the of the first act happens in in the daylight dusk and then you're shrouded in darkness during the second act. Which is pretty freaking awesome. Oh Stephen Sondheim liked it. He saw it twice. Of course he did. <laughs> yes. Sounds of course up his alley. So that production was recorded in its entirety so you can see it on the television, I guess. Or probably the internets. Um, the Regents Park Open Air production was transferred pretty much to uh, Central Park, New York, uh, redesigned by American designers who I'm pretty sure ripped off most of what happened before. Uh, but this was a um, more in, uh, recognisable cast, I guess you would say. It included Amy Adams as the baker's wife, Donna Murphy as the witch, Dennis O'Hare as the baker, Chip Zien, who was the original baker, is now playing the baker's father, the mysterious man, which I think is an interesting little use of (laughs) casting there. Um, Jesse Mueller as Cinderella. (gasps) And the voice of Glenn Close as the giant. Um. The set was a collaboration between uh, the original open air theatre designer and uh, John Lee Beatty. It rises over 50 feet in the air because everything's got to be bigger and better in America with a series of tree-covered catwalks and pathways. So it's pretty much the same concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, briefly, how long are we now? I will stop time. We're about How did I think I was minutes. going to do this in yeah. six minutes? Uh, the Sydney Theatre uh, Company production starring Judy Connolly, Geraldine Turner, Tony Sheldon, Philip Quast, Pippa Grandison and DJ Foster... So I don't know about DJ Foster, but there we go. Can I add my one fun fact about yes. Rowan Witt, who is in that cast? He is the boy who says there is no spoon in the original Matrix. <gasps> that was my find. Thought that, and was, thought that plays, was pretty exciting. And in 1993, he fight. then played Jack? Oh, sorry. That was the later cast of the same thing, the more recent one than that, for he would have been about two years old in 1993. 1998? Later. I don't have anything after that. <laughs> <laughs> The 1998 production starred Rhonda Birchmore, Gina Riley, yes, Lisa McCune, yes, Carol, Tams and Carol, and Robert Grubb. I love that guy's Grubb. name. Who did Gina Riley play? I don't know who Gina Riley played. <laughs> I'm kind of, well, no, Rhonda Birchmore surely was the, the witch. witch. So Gina Riley, probably the baker's wife, if I had to guess. 
And have we you are. Have you heard Jenna Marcus guessing. guessing? Wouldn't Lisa McCune be right the baker's wife? Kim from Kath and Kim, right? Kath from Kath and Kim. Kim from Kath Kim and Kim. Kim from Kath and Kim. Have Kim you heard her sing? No. She's incredible. Okay, good talk. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Must be back and forth. There you go. Which would make Lisa McCune Cinderella? Yeah, I'd believe that. Or the yeah. cow, maybe? I don't know. We're <laughs> guessing. And if anybody knows, feel free to tell us. 2015, Miami, Florida. <gasps> Titus Burgess <gasps> starred <gasps> as... Oh, it is the best. You I have to watch... find this. Please link that on YouTube. Yeah, singing him singing Stay With Me. It's the best. The best. Okay, ever. I'm making My a favorite. note. I'm finding it now. Um, uh, yeah. With, without cool. changing the key of anything or singing in head voice. Also ever. 2015, St. Louis, Missouri... Rob McClure. Do I know that name from being Troy ripped Troy off McClure. in <laughs> The Simpsons? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Different guy then. Huh? Rob McClure was um, Charlie Chaplin. Oh. Charlie oh. Chaplin. We played Charlie Chaplin in Thanks, mysterious voice. Mysterious, from, mysterious from voice. Elsewhere in the room that probably didn't pick up in the mic. It's our um, giant. We have a secret giant. We have a secret anyway, giant playing, in the room. Very the soft voice. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the film. But more importantly, let's talk about the films that didn't happen. The good ones. Can yeah. we yeah. do this at double speed? Yes, we can. Because we are running long. I'm going to do this so fast. If the- you're listening to this at the gym... Keep running. Keep running. Keep going. That's it. You cannot get Into off the this woods machine to until we finish. So take your time. Right take now. your time. Okay. Um, early attempts at adapting Into the Woods to a film started in the 1990s. A reading was held with a cast that included Robin Williams as the baker, Goldie Horn as the baker's wife, Sher as the witch. Danny DeVito as the giant, Steve Martin as the wolf, and Roseanne Barr. Yes. Sorry, I don't know her. As Jack's mother. Roseanne. It's Roseanne? It's Roseanne. Oh, see, the second name threw me off. I was like, she doesn't have a second name. She's just Roseanne, like Madonna. Wait, who who was the narrator Mysterious Man? Did they not have it in that? That's not listed. John Goodman. There should have been. And Roseanne Barr as Jack's mum. Just saying. Just saying. saying. Okay. I love that cast so much. (laughs) So that would have been amazing. It would have been amazing. I don't know if it would have been like a great representation (laughs) of the show. Don't even care. Don't even care. Anyway, 1997, so late 90s, Columbia put a film in to pre-production, I guess, with Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan and Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon, I would would like. That's presumably the Baker Baker's wife, which. I'm upset about Meg Ryan. Is it just like straight off to Harry no, and no, Sally no. and that like I don't know. romantic comedies between them? 97. Yeah, that's a long time after it, isn't it? Yeah, mm. a while. Um, and, then, and then Disney. Thanks, so, Disney. <laughs> Disney actually did a three-day reading. I don't know how you take three days to read a script, but they did. It took me nearly that long um, to say Which was basically their pitch to get it green-lighted. And this reading under... Um, Marshall's direction, who ended up directing the movie. So the same guy that did Chicago and other stuff. Um, starred Nina Arianda as the baker's wife, Victoria Clark as Cinderella's mother, James Corden, who stayed with it as the baker, Donna Murphy as the witch, Christine Baranski as Cinderella's stepmother, who stayed with um, Tammy Blanchard, uh, Megan Hilty as Lucinda, 
Cheyenne Jackson as Rapunzel's prince, Alison oh. Janey as Jack's mother, which I so wish oh. we could have seen, yeah. Anna Kendrick was, um, as Cinderella, Michael McGrath as the steward, um, and some other people. <laughs> but, yeah, some interesting um, ones in there that then didn't, didn't stay with it, which, which would have been a shame. And I think Alison Janey is probably the biggest loss yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what happened there. It doesn't really say. Some of the others it says, oh, you know, clashes with this, that, the other. The contracts didn't work out. Um, but uh, there was something interesting that was said about... Was it um, Meryl Streep actually went against her own well-advertised personal no witch after forty rule <laughs> to take on um, the role, but she broke the rule because she wanted to do Sondheim. So she was committed to the the work, not mm. just the movie, which I I find comforting. Um, and Emily Blunt. This is the um, explanation for her casting. Blunt was selected for her warmth and likability to ensure the emotional impact of the sudden death of the baker's wife. It's very important for that character because it's the heart of the piece and you really have to love her. So when she's gone, you should really feel it like a kick in the gut. I think you don't at all. I think that's one of the least effective parts of the movie. I love Emily Blunt, but I didn't think it worked at all. Well, it goes on to say, just after she was cast, Blunt discovered that she was pregnant and her costume and choreography had to be adjusted accordingly. They had to adjust her choreography? I mean, you just got to... Was all... it all shimmies before that? Oh, just, just all hip shimmies. What did you have to adjust? Split jump, split jump, split jump. <laughs> and gone. She, um, she was apparently weird, had never weird. sung before being cast in this. Well... A, it's a big ask for your first sing ever. It is, it is. She did a good um, job. Goes yeah, on to say that, however, her overweight appearance during production, yeah. I take exception, um, actually really fit in with the role of the baker's wife. Emily Blunt explains, I feel like she would have eaten a lot of carbs working in a bakery. <laughs> she can fudge right off. Yeah, so there you go. And then um, we got Waitress. Yeah? Yeah, fine, yeah. whatever. But. All right, so, well, let's... Let's take a break and we'll come back and we will cast this monster of a show. Okay, the witch is going to be the hardest. Let's start out. Who, who do we want to see as the witch? That's the only one I didn't have someone for. <laughs> oh, heck, I didn't prepare, prepare this far. I never um, think about this part of the show. Okay, I'm going to is say it? I don't want to see him in the role, but the fact that Titus Burgess has already played it oh. makes me warm inside. I'm, I would be ready to cast him in that role. Mm, yeah, I, I just think it's such a great female role. Not That's to put true. a woman that is, in it that is a bit would be quite sacrilegious. As a woman, I say, go Titus, go. You go, girl. Yes, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Well, Titus Burgess has the witch. Who, who are we putting as the... Baker or Let's as a cast them wife. all as men like we're in Shakespeare times. Um, as the baker. <laughs> baker, Did you say baker? Wife? Yeah. I had Josh Gad as the baker. All right. Similar to James Corbin, I guess, but mm. just delightful in general. It's funny that um, most of the people who've played him have not been... Pudge, we're calling it Roly poly types. Roly poly favorites. But yeah, <laughs> since the movie it's a lot harder to picture. And also it does make sense. Like it, it, yeah, he is a baker. baker. He's living off of bread. <laughs> <laughs> So many carbs. I think James Corden did a good job. Yeah. She, he, she did. 
<laughs> he did a great job. Uh, who else? Baker's Baker? wife. Baker's wife. Oh, Baker's wife. Baker, Baker, Baker. Honestly, I think John Goodman as narrator and mm. mysterious man. I think he would do a great job of that. Um, because he he has such a range of emotion, especially now that he's he's older, he ha- he can go from charming to intimidating to like super uh, like scared, just like at the click. Who's of this? His... I wasn't paying any attention. John Goodman. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's and it's not like it's a huge sing or dance part. So I think that that is kind of for for an older gentleman. For... I think it's Narrator. Narrator and Mysterious Man. Yeah, see, I had um, John Cleese. So, again, yeah. older man, narrator. I would like to see John Cleese as the wolf. Uh, I think he's a yeah, little bit right? too old. Layers. Cringy. Layers. Um, <laughs> I had... I think he'd be a good narrator. Yeah. yeah he I'll give him that. <laughs> I had Christian Borrell for, for the wolf. And and Cinderella's Prince? Yes. Yes. As double cast? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's totes fine. Absolutely. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing Brian Darcy as the baker. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> you said Brian, and I just immediately went Brian Cranston. <laughs> as the what? He can be the narrator. <laughs> Yeah, I think Christopher Walken should be the narrator. I had Christopher Walken for the wolf. As well, yeah. he was yeah. like, because I find him intensely creepy on a good day. So, well, I think... what about John Malkovich for the wolf? Oh, oh no, no, it's too far. <laughs> nah. Too far. Um, what about it, um wife? someone very, um, you know, classically handsome for the prince? Mm. Like, is it John Barrowman? Yeah, thinking of the right person. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yes. Just. The epitome of tall, dark, and handsome. I went a little bit younger for my other, like for other prince options. I had um, Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi would be great. And Zach Efron. Just the Zachs. Both Zachs. Let's Zach it. What about um, also Zach Braff? I would put him, you know what? He's He's, probably more of a baker. He's getting on, but I would like to see him as Jack. (laughs) <laughs> He's really getting on, but I want to see him as Jack. What do we feel about like Hugh Jackman for the Baker? Oh, not good things. Not I good things. I don't know. Like physically, I don't think I could like take the razzle dazzle. Yeah, exactly. Right. Too sort of He's, He's like too present. I had a giant's wife. For those at home, Malcolm just did a great boy from Oz impression without <laughs> the Maracas. Yeah. I had a giant's wife. Along the same idea that they had when they were thinking of casting Danny DeVito. And I thought of this person because she's played alongside Danny DeVito. <laughs> so I thought Christian Chenoweth <laughs> would make a delightful <laughs> tiny, tiny, See, tiny, I would tiny. like to see her play the witch. Giant's Ooh. wife. Christian Chenoweth. I, I would, because it's totally against type. But oh. as Glinda. Uh, as Glinda. <laughs> dressed as Glinda, but like super mean about it. Yeah. Oh no! She's got like a color change. Oh, the transformation when she gets prettified yeah. and mm. she just turns into Glinda. Funny, and then she floats off in a bubble. Very meta. <laughs> At the All end right. of the last midnight, yeah, she just gets in her bubble and goes home. All right, I think I think we've done enough damage <laughs> to this show. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll uh, talk about what top five list belongs on. Top five musicals 
Based. Set in the woods. <laughs> oh, based on fairy tales. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was I wondering. It's number one. I was wondering which the first one everyone thinks. Which of. one of my super obvious answers you would have, and that was one of my. I think Shrek's on the list yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give it to you. Xana yeah, Jones but Into the Woods is, is the first one Into everyone thinks of. Into the Woods is on the list. It's the <laughs> number the one. List. It's, it's number one. I would say top five Sunheim. Ah. I think it's the one that a, a lot of people know. Yeah. I'd Most go. popular sometime. If, I would, if oh, Disney yeah, I picks so. it up, it's it's fine. Yeah. Top well, they almost I don't know did if it'd it. be like my personal top five, but it's their yeah. main reservation was, you know, can we make just the first half because <laughs> the second half is too dark for Disney. <laughs> that was their issue, no, and then and then they put creepy, you know, <laughs> and they put Johnny Depp Johnny Depp in as the He's wolf. So uh, I'm, I'm, just from a graphic design perspective, um, um, yeah. Uh, Top five worst poster designs <laughs> for a Broadway musical. That's, Which like is the surprising first one really because bad. the design of the show is, is something amazing. that has won awards. Mm. It but just doesn't seem to have extended to the poster. Just at all. the worst. You <laughs> know what I think it is? I think that that people want to connect the show to the fairy tales that are recognizable too much. Yeah. And they just Focus in on that and don't actually represent the show well. And it's hard to pick like a main character as well, so you can't like focus it around the baker or Cinderella. Better stylized picture of the woods. Yeah. Oh, I'm just flipping through like a few versions of of the the posters. They've all been really bad. They're all bad. What was your opinion on the Sweeney big bobblehead ones? The Sweeney big bobblehead ones. I think I think we don't need to talk about. We'll them. talk about it in the Sweeney episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, I put it on my top five. I lost my page. Um, <laughs> my top That's five a obscure list. It's a very specific list. <laughs> um, my top five like mashup musicals, mashup. which takes like, a few different like things and puts them all together and is like, hey guys, here's a musical. Yeah, you're all right. Top five longest first acts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Top five know, longest opening numbers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. For the prologue. Uh, that's 17 minutes, yeah, around. Yeah, something like that. Too long. Uh, I, I think too long. Most words <laughs> definitely <laughs> wins out. Songs with the most words in them. I, I think it would be that or some other sometime. I'm pretty sure sometime I was yeah. all five in the top five of that list. I was, uh, was going to pitch top five uh, best uses of alliteration in musical. Uh, yep. Yep. Done. I, yep. I tried to find some non-sometime other things to like compete, which was hard. But e- e- When anyone else does it, they sound like they're imitating sometime. Yeah. There's, so some, uh, there's some Hamilton that's pretty good. Yeah. That's quite different, but yeah. I guess uh, all, uh, a lot of his stuff has a fair bit of alliteration, yeah. just because it is kind of the the rap hip hop sort of sort of yeah. uh, style. Some Stephen Schwartz as well. Ooh, quite, quite Stephen top five um, rap <laughs> musical. Uh, I just learned that Stephen Sondheim does not class it as a rap. So well, I'd still put it above Hamilton. Rude. <laughs> Rude. I'll say top five which characters. So there are a lot of which characters. characters? Oh, okay. Uh, well, there are some very big ones like Alphaba, like Glinda, but I think the witch in this is probably the top. Personally, for me, mm. as like actual character, I think she's the most interesting. Yes. 
Any? I agree with you. Any? Any other top five? Shall we? Shall we move on? Oh, so many. Um, I would say um, I don't know how to word it. How to word it? Top five platforms for interesting design. All right. I think that's probably the best I've, way to word it. Yeah. So mm. shows that can be reinterpreted design. Design-wise. From show yeah. to show. It's and very free. I've, I haven't seen the show a lot, but each one that I have seen has had a really interesting and unique uh, design to it. And one of the favourites I actually saw was... Um, a very intimate stage setting, which I personally always enjoy, particularly for stuff like this that's very, you know, at you. <laughs> um, that was set in a, well, kind of like a library. The stage was covered in books. It was just shelves of books and piles of books and tower of books, just books everywhere. Box, box, box. It was fantastic. I loved it. Sheets of paper made up the Sheets leaves of the and trees. Sheets. It was really good. That's, uh, that's something that James Lapine specifically uh, encouraged and, and wanted to see. It was a lot of different interpretations of the style. Like mm. he, he talks about it in that same YouTube video. But yeah. We will link it. So <laughs> much out of that there. video. It's really Check, cool. Go to thatsunkind.com forward slash M-T-M-E-I-K. And you will find it. That and some like masterclass videos sometime put out on YouTube as well of him like teaching students how to perform his own music. It was very useful and cool. Oh, Sondheim, what don't you give us? Shall we move on? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll take a break. Come back with the lessons we learned. All right. This is a, a show about fairy tales, so it's got to have some morals. Uh, what, so many just, morals. Yeah, just one or two. What did we learn? Uh, no one is alone. Wishes come true, not free. No, screw you guys. Till there the are listen. giants in the sky. Ag- agony. Ag- <laughs> agony. 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 <laughs> oh. um, Princes have it hard. <laughs> Try to stop for princes. <laughs> I just think it's like this this ode to like complexity and um, uh, like perspective. I think it, the whole show is about teaching you that nothing is as straightforward as it sounds in a fairy tale. Careful what you wish for. Yeah, but even like that, it, it's like sometimes it's okay, but sometimes it's bad. And it, well, it's yeah, all just, Cinderella's all like, should I wish for something or should I just let it happen? Yeah. Mm. And it's like mm. it kind of turns out, but then she's kind of unsatisfied. And so it's just like everything's just hard. And then she ends up alone in the woods with a baby. Yeah. <laughs> alone. No one is alone. No one is alone. You're right. It's just Yeah, it's just like being an adult is hard. I think that's the lesson and it's bums me out. Oh. <laughs> and just like being grown up's hard and complicated. It's complicated. I think I think that's, that's the big that's thing. That's the main yeah. thing. That's yeah. the message. It's yeah. complicated. Yeah. Life isn't a You have to make decisions and sometimes there's there's no right or wrong decision. And there's always also, there's not necessarily a good and a bad decision. Don't trust a wolf. Don't and trust anybody. Oh, and don't just go into someone's house and steal a bunch of shit. Like, Jesus. Well, did she ever, like, have repercussions <laughs> for that? Like, she just... They just let her take it, right? No, um, the Jack. That's the whole point. Oh, the whole Jack. problem of the whole story yeah, yeah. is I thought you were talking about Red because she just walks into the bakery and is oh, like, "Oh yeah, that's oh, fine." Oh, do you have a basket for me to carry all well, this no, stuff I'm stealing from it's you? It's all about everyone stealing. It starts yeah. from someone stealing magic beans and then someone's doing it again. They're all stupid. Everybody Don't wanted stuff steal. and Aaron's didn't think stupid. very much about what it might cost. 
Any other life-changing revelations from Into the Woods? If you kidnap somebody and put them in a tower for 18 years. <laughs> They're probably not going to like you much when they find out that's not how everyone lives. Yeah, okay, so Stockholm Syndrome isn't just like, no, just isn't, doesn't apply to everyone. It's, just it's, it's not going to work out. Yeah. But children, there are, there are children, better ways. children should listen. They and should will listen. listen. <laughs> and will listen, mm-hmm. but not always learn. Sometimes they don't listen. Also, the the show ends with her saying, I wish again, like she has learned nothing from the entire show, which is one of my favourite parts. Like the last beat of the entire show is her being like, next, what's my next thing? <laughs> More giants. Yeah. All right, good. Let's move on. I feel like there are deeper, more meaningful lessons, but we don't need to go into them. Listen to the musical and yeah. you'll learn your own lessons. Yeah, that's right. Like all of Sondheim shows. Well, uh, or, and most or, of Sondheim wait, shows. Watch the, the video of Sondheim telling you about mm-hmm. all the things <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you'll know. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back and say goodbye. I wish... Well, thanks, Malcolm, for coming on the show, telling us all about Into the Woods. Oh, hey, You're welcome. To be fair, also we told us. some things too. Yeah, but it wasn't we wouldn't. All Malcolm. We no. wouldn't have if Malcolm wasn't here. True. I'll pay that. All right. Malcolm. So <laughs> let's give Malcolm his due. Is there anything? <laughs> yeah, Thank you. Thank uh, you all. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Let our audience know what you're doing. Oh. Um, well, well, if anyone would like to, uh, I do record music at ohthehumanity.com. That's uh, Hume with, it's, it's like my name, like with an E in oh, humanity. Oh. Yeah, there's, oh, there's, a better pun, there's a better pun written down. I was really pleased with it and then I, I have to say it and it's confusing. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, that's music that I uh, write and record all the instruments for. So yeah, check it out if you like. Excellent. Uh, we'll, we'll chuck that in the show notes. Thank you. Uh, be easy, easily clickable. Um, and if you want to find us online... Go to that's not canonproductions.com forward slash MTMEIK and that'll have all of us on there and all of our previous episodes if you can't find them on your podcatcher of choice. But if you are listening to us on a podcatcher, give us a rating and a review. Just do it. Just, Just do come it. Come on, check us a sneaky like, one. We love five star ratings. We love four star ratings. We love three star ratings, two and one, like. Why, have you, why are you leaving a rating? You, you don't just, – just don't listen to us. It's free. You don't have to listen. Stop telling people not to listen. I'm going to give us a zero-star rating <laughs> for myself. Oh, come on now. I, I'll, give you a, a, I'll give you a five because I can't give you a four and a half. Because it just went so long. So Sorry. Long. That was mainly me. <laughs> it was mainly Miranda. So I'm, <laughs> I don't I'm, think I'm it was. You. It's usually me. Uh, <laughs> So give us a rating and review on iTunes or on Stitcher. We are now also available on Google Play. So Google find Play. us on there. If that is Google Try to find us. Fancy. Yeah. Uh, so And also write into Spotify. Get them to put us on their app. Also try to do that. Couldn't find an email for them. It's very hard to do. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll help you with that. If you want to follow us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, we're facebook.com forward slash musicals taught me everything I know, all lowercase, all one word. And on Twitter, we are at musicals teach me or you can send us an email at musicals told me podcast at gmail.com we also have a patreon lots of fun rewards there if you want to give us some money every month not every episode every month and we have some great uh patreon only episodes that are already on there 
So go on there, give us some money, and we'll be the best of friends. So thank you again, Malcolm, for coming along, talking Sondheim with us. I've been Zane C. Weber, and with me are my immeasurable co-hosts. Miranda Selwood. And Julie Eisentrager. And we'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. 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 James and Riley, how you going? Oh, I'm very well, thank you, Curtis. What's thank- up? Oh, mate, I'm just, we're doing a promo now, right now for our new podcast. Well, what's it called? It's called Unfeatured Articles. What do we do? What do we do? Thank you for asking, Riley. We look up every week the weirdest that Wikipedia has to offer. We dive into the comedic trenches of that website and find pure gold, baby. Pure sexy gold. And we put it all on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcast. So please find us on Facebook, etc. Unfeatured articles. Oh, that's not kind of productions podcast. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.